Our goal today is to help you to know that you cannot outgive God. And I know that some of us may struggle with that because you may feel like you don't have enough to give. But there's a great resource that the Bible Project has put out, and it is going to give us a great overview of what generosity looks like and why so many of us struggle to feel like we can be generous. So after that video, we are going to give you a chance to respond to God in worship through song because God is enough. He is everything that we need. He will provide for us. And even in the worst of times, He is going to bring beauty to whatever situation you may be going through. After that, we will hear a quick message from Pastor DJ about how to put generosity into action. And we'll get to see a testimony of a couple who really put God to the test with their giving and tithing and see how it blessed them. I'll be back after that video to wrap things up. But for now, let's take some time to pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you are our provider, that you give abundantly to us, that we have all that we need, even in our times of want, God. So I pray that we can just bring um, our offering to you this morning of just thanksgiving for being grateful for what we have and looking around at the things that we can be grateful for, God. I pray that you challenge us to give more, to give more of our time, to give more of our talents, to give more of our treasures to you, because um, we know that you will bless us tenfold for that. We thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going, to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture, but it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world. Under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way, too. But surely Jesus knew that things don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy, anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over. It's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience his generosity. And so he chooses one people, the family of Abraham. And he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need, 
All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that's not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance, and they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it's all theirs, and like there's not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoil party. And notice, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. But living generously doesn't mean life is gonna go well. I mean, look at Jesus. He was betrayed by his friends and he suffered. And this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that people would take advantage of his generosity. In fact, that was his plan. Really? Yeah, think about it. Jesus knows that we're all hopelessly deceived by this lie that there's not enough. Yeah, that lie needs to be defeated. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he gave us the gift of his life. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generous love. Yeah, God's love can turn death into life. And scarcity back into abundance. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, you know the gift of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, that even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And Jesus called his followers to live like the real party has begun. Yes, he called it the kingdom of God. And our invitation to this party is yet another gift, the personal presence of God's own spirit that can teach us how to trust the generosity of the host, just like Jesus did. Yeah, and when you believe there's enough, you start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time and money, our attention. Yes, one of the most important ways that we can experience the abundance of God's new creation is sharing with others because of our trust that God is the generous host. I'm so thankful for organizations like the Bible Project that just take principles and make them so simple to understand, but still are entertaining as we learn them. So I, I'd encourage you, if you don't follow them already, go find them on social media, make sure you give them a like, and definitely YouTube, uh, subscribe to their channel so that you can support them and the different work that they're doing. But we're in week three of a series that we're calling We Value, where we're talking about some the core values of CityWell. And today's core value that we're talking about is generosity. And the big thing we want you to walk away understanding today is the idea that you cannot outgive God. You can't outgive God. The first part of understanding that is understanding that we give 
because God is generous from the beginning of creation to his covenant with Abraham to Jesus, life, death, resurrection, sending the Holy Spirit to us and even beyond, God consistently shows us that he is a generous God. And so we can choose to be generous out of a response to him. Another way of saying this is we are, we are blessed to be a blessing. Now, the second thing on generosity I want you to understand today is that God blesses generosity. This is a principle that's so important when it comes to talking and understanding generosity. See, our goal today is not to get you to give to CityWell. We're not looking to just build our budget. Now, if you choose to give to CityWell, that's awesome. But our heart really is to see you living in the blessing of God. It's to help you move into that blessing. See, Matthew 10, 42 says, if anyone gives even a cup of water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, and this is Jesus talking, he says, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. God knows what you give, and he knows the heart that you give it from, and he pr promises to reward those who choose to be generosity. And I love the simplicity of this verse. It's not go out, empty your bank account, and start these elaborate programs and do all this and that. No, it's just, if you see a little kid who's thirsty, give him a cold cup of water. And God sees it and sees the generous heart behind it and says, he'll reward it. When it comes to generosity, many people look to Psalm 41 as a promise from God about generosity. And it says, blessed is he who regards the weak. In other words, blessed are those who look at those people in need and see them. It continues, the Lord delivers him in times of trouble. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. He will bless him in the land, not surrender him to the desires of his foes. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. God cares so much about our generosity and how much we are willing to care for one another. He says, I have a special blessing for those who take care of the weak. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to surround them. I'm going to care for them. They're, when they get sick, I'm going to give a special healing for them. I want you to have that blessing and live in that blessing. The blessing of knowing that you're giving to people at, or organizations or churches, but when you're giving, what you're really doing is taking money that God lent to you and then you're giving it to other people, believing that God is going to give it back to you. He's going to keep providing your needs. Psalm 19 verse 17 says, he who is kind to the poor he lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. God blesses generosity because it was his money to start with. It was his resources to start with. It was his time to start with. All he's doing, he's lending it to us. Then we lend it to others, believing God is going to be the one to give it back. That's what generosity is, and God says he blesses it when we live like that. Number three on generosity is generosity 
defines your life experience. Did anybody watch watch the DuckTales, the TV show when you were kids? Like my generation, did you watch DuckTales? Right now, just put in the chat, raised hand, something like that if you watch DuckTales. Also, in DuckTales, there's this character. It's called Uncle Scrooge. Anybody remember Uncle Scrooge? What's the first thought that comes to your mind if you know who Uncle Scrooge is when you think of him? I'll wait. Put it in the chat. I'm still waiting. Have you put it in the chat yet? What's your thought, first thought on Don Uncle Scrooge? If you even know who I'm talking about, it's probably him standing on a diving board getting ready to dive off of it into a indoor pool full of gold coins and him just swimming in the gold. Uncle Scrooge in DuckTales had one thing he thought about and one thing alone. It was money and getting more of it and collecting more of it. He had to have that gold. But also as a character, he was just a grumpy old man. Grumpy old duck. And so many people, we live like that. We're just hoarding and trying to get more. But just like Uncle Scrooge in DuckTales, it le always leaves us empty. But I bet if you think a little bit, you know someone or you know people who've chosen to live a life of generosity. Maybe by worldly standards, they don't have a lot or it doesn't look like they have a lot. But the one thing that they seem to have is joy. It's joy. Maybe it's because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Generosity brings joy. But coming back to where we started at, when we have that uh, scarcity mindset, it leaves us hoarding. It leaves us concerned. It leaves us always wanting more. But generosity is what gets us to the place that we can live in freedom. Psalm 11, starting in 24, it says, the man who gives freely yet gains more. Another withholds unduly yet comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And then 25 says, people curse the man who hoard grain, but blessings crown him who will willingly sell. Let's reword that last verse, at least the first part of it for today. It, if it was written today, it would say, say, people curse him who hoards too much toilet paper. Seriously, why is everybody buying all the toilet paper again? I know some of you, you have closets and closets full of toilet paper. And if you're willing to give it away, man, you're going to be blessed. People are going to bless you. But we, our, our mindset on generosity, it's going to affect our life experience. It's going to affect how we see the world. It's going to affect how we interact with other people and the amount of joy we have as we live life. When you choose to live a life focused on generosity, it's going to bring the most joy, the most freedom, the most blessing from God. Item four I want you to get on generosity is generosity should be a distinguishing char characteristic of 
the church. And up until this point, we've talked about generosity on an individual basis. Now we're going to talk about it on a corporate basis. So we talked about how generosity is a me thing. Now let's talk about how it's a we thing. I believe churches are supposed to be marked by their generosity. Last week, we looked at Acts chapter 2, and we didn't really spend much time on verse 44, but I want to reread it right now. It says, all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. The early church stood out because they took care of one another. They saw a need, they met a need. People were willing to sell their stuff, sell their homes, sell whatever. They were giving out of their overflow to care for one another. And sometimes people will look at this verse and others like it in Acts and say, see, the early church gives us an idea that we should try to set up socialism. And that's not it at all. This was not socialism. This was, this was the church choosing, not the government telling. It was personal conviction, not government mandate. They are very different things. But collectively, they saw a need, they met a need. We're working to be as generous of a church as possible. We, we're not there yet, but we're going to keep striving. So already this year, we've set up multiple days where we go out to laundromats and just say, you know what, anybody here, we're going we're gonna to do your laundry for free for you today. We've gone out and cleaned up Palmer Park multiple times, hauling over 40 of the large jumbo-sized trash bags worth of debris and trash out of the park just to take care of that community. We partnered with Good Samaritan Services, and we were able to clean up some of their yard that got out of hand during shutdown so that their volunteers and their staff can focus on the people they're consistently ministering to. We, we also partnered with Good Samaritan Services and uh, then also Steeple to People, to be able to provide a young mom with the furnishings for her new house as she was preparing to move into that. We love what we can do as a local church body. We also say, how can we make a difference in a larger aspect? And as a church plant, we are part of the Association of Related Churches, or it's called ARC. And this year alone, ARC has opened the doors to over 65 in-person church services for that planted this year. Beyond that, another 21 churches with ARC besides us, so 22 ARC churches, launched online services this year with the plans of launching in-person next year. ARC, we also saw over six global churches launching this year with ARC, and of, of them, one of them is our friends uh, JR and Sarah down in Trinidad, and they're doing an awesome job planning their church. Beyond that, ARC gave $400,000 to young churches uh, who were affected by COVID to help them continue to respond well. And on launch day alone for the different ARC churches that started this year, we saw over 522 people give their life to Jesus for the first time. ARC is just another way that we are looking to be a generous church where it's not just about us. It's about what can we do when we all come together for the kingdom of God. Coming back to that idea that we saw in Acts 2.44, they all had everything in common, taking care of one another. So generosity, it's an individual thing. It's a me thing. It's a we thing as a local church. 
body. It's an us thing as all the believers together saying, how can we partner together to make things happen? But let's come back to, to individuals for a couple minutes. God says to the individual, he says that you can test him in generosity. That's number five. God says you can test him in generosity. This is the only time God tells us we can test him. We're told specifically that we test him in our generosity to a local church. Malachi 3.10, it starts out, says, Bringing, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. So what's the whole tithe? The whole tithe. That's an idea that we see all throughout scripture. It's giving the first 10% of whatever we receive back to God and saying, you know what, this, this was his to start with. He blessed me. I'm going to give it back to him. Now, some believers would say, you know what, that's an Old Testament thing. As New Testament Christians, we don't need to tithe anymore. We give out of our conscience. And I'd say we should still give out of our conscience. But I believe that the tithe predated the law, if you look in the Old Testament. And also Paul wrote to the Corinthians to give in keeping with their income. He, he was just reiterating the fact, hey, we know the starting place is the tithe. Then we give based on conscience beyond that. And maybe you're thinking, whoa, 10%, that's huge. That's a good part of my budget. I don't think I can do that. Well, what can, what, what can you do? Like, I want you to be able to have that blessing. Can you give? And you say, well, is 1% okay? Yeah, you, could, you can start where you want. But just remember, the challenge God gave through Malachi was based on 10%. Let me, let me continue. Next, God says in Malachi 3.10, he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Test me. Give me a try. God just looked you in the eyes and gave you a dare. Are you going to take him up on the dare that he is giving you? Are you going to say, challenge, except at 10%, 10%. But God gives a promise also. Check this out. Malachi 3.10 ends with, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have room enough for it. What an awesome promise. A few years ago, I got to sit down with a friend of mine who decided to take this challenge seriously. And he had been struggling and his family had been struggling financially, but they said, you know what? We want to live in the blessing of God. So we're going to try to do it his way. And it was amazing to hear how God moved through it. And so we sat down. I got to record and edit down a video of his story. And right now, I just love to share it with you. So check it out. I know it was God through because of where I was and where I am now. When you first start off as a family, you get married, you have kids, and things, it's, it's hard. Three years ago, the financials were a struggle for us. Not every month was basically the same. I like, we literally struggled to pay the bills, you know? It was like paycheck to paycheck. This week I couldn't pay a bill, so I would have money to buy groceries. And then the next week I'd pay that bill and just be broke for a little bit. We were in over our head with our cars. We owed way more than they were worth. We kept getting into loan after loan. 
with high interest rates and with cars that we couldn't really afford if, if something happened they broke down I'd have to fix them myself because we didn't have the money to go to a garage my wife and I did a lot of fighting it was a real strain on our marriage uh, we fought about money constantly it just never seemed like there was enough money coming in uh, the Christmases were a struggle uh, me and my wife didn't get presents for each other my kids didn't get a whole lot and the little that we did get were we had to not pay bills just to get the little bit that we did get my work situation was actually should have been really good uh, I was on rate work making great money but it just never seemed like it was enough and the, where the money was going I didn't know we started coming to MCC because my daughters actually said that they wanted to go to Sunday school again because we had stopped coming for a while and uh, we got, that got us back into it and we actually, I heard a, a spill sermon that changed me, uh, give it to God sermon that really made me dive into the Bible and dive into getting baptized and becoming a partner and, and doing what the Bible and live, trying to live my life what the Bible tells me to do. And that's why I started tithing. When I first started tithing, I got moved from rate work. I got my hours cut back to 40 hours. I, I was making literally half the money I was making before. And I was like, oh no, this is not good. But God just blessed me. Like he, uh, I always had money that I didn't, I didn't know where, where all the money was coming from, but I always had money to pay my bills. Everything just fell into place for me. Me and my wife get along a lot better. We don't have anything to fight over, because all we fought about was money anyway. So now we have nothing to fight over, and it's just been great. Both of my girls are in school now, and because our financial situation is doing great, my wife was able to go back to school instead of going out and just getting a job just to put money into the bank account and, and not satisfy herself and not be happy. We took a vacation last year for the first time ever. I could pay for myself. Uh, this year I will be completely credit card debt free, no more credit cards. Uh, I got a vehicle that I don't have to worry about working on anymore. Uh, this, I was supposed to be laid off this winter from my old job and God opened another door to a new job, making more money doing the same thing. Uh, better hours, he just, it just, he just opens door after door after door for me. God just died as good, I don't know, he was blessed. It's just so weird, I, like, I don't know how to explain it, like you can't really explain it, it's just, it's a blessing, it's there, you know. My advice to anyone that's considering tithing would be to read Malachi 3.10 and put the Lord to the test because I put him to the test and he has poured out blessings from heaven like he says he will and God promises blessings and he keeps his promises. video was shot eight years ago, 
But when we talked to Noah about this video, this is what he had to say. Praise God. He has really blessed us over the last eight years looking back. The tithing promise from God is so true. So we open today by saying you can't outgive God. And I believe that God showed us that by giving us his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Because we know that God created us to be in relationship with him. But we oftentimes we mess up. I know I mess up and I'm sure you do too. And when we do those things to mess up our relationship with God, that separates us from him. But no matter how much we do, no matter how much we give monetarily, no matter how much we give of our time, no matter what kind of good things we are doing, it cannot remove all the sin that is in our life and build that bridge back to God. But paying the price for sin, Jesus, he came to earth as a baby, which we are moving into this season to celebrate that. He came to earth to die for us, to cover that sin, to build that bridge back to God. So he died on the cross, he rose again, and he conquered death once and for all for us. That is a great gift. But everyone who accepts, everyone who trusts in Jesus alone can have eternal life. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what mistakes you think you've made. It doesn't matter if you've never given anything to anyone ever in your life, because everyone who trusts in Jesus alone can have that gift of eternal life, that best gift, the greatest gift that there ever was. And that life with Jesus, it can start right now. Wherever you are, whatever your life looks like right now, it can begin right now. So if you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, I challenge you to, to look into what that means. I'd love for you to ask us questions and we'd love to pray with you about that. So if you're interested in knowing what a relationship with Jesus looks like to be able to receive the greatest gift ever, I'd want you to text the word Jesus to 610-590-8550. And we'd love to talk to you about what a relationship with Jesus looks like today. This Tuesday, December 1st, is called Giving Tuesday. And this is a great opportunity for you to be able to get to begin your journey of generosity. We invite you to consider giving towards CityWell Church and what we are beginning to do here. So there are a couple ways you can give. You can go onto our Facebook page and you can give through Facebook. You can head on to our website at citywell.church and give there. You can go through our app and give there. Or you can also just mail uh, to our mailbox directly, which is P.O. Box 494, Coatesville, PA, 19320. We invite you to just join us in the way that we are able to bless the community. And your giving really is going through us just to get to the people here in the community. So we would just love for you to do that. We are so glad that you joined us this week at Citywell Church. I hope that your day was blessed and we just hope that you have a great week this week. Let us know if there's any way that we can be praying for you. Have a great day.